0: So I was there when he, when he took his last breath, right? And watching your best friend's last breath is, is kind of a tough, tough thing to do. So I don't know what it was, but it just feels like something, like a part of me isn't supposed to be here when he is not.
1: What is up, everybody? And welcome back to the Schooling Struggle Podcast. It is our belief that the only guarantee in life is that we're all going to struggle. And how we choose to embrace our struggles is what empowers us to become the best versions of ourselves. How's it going? My name is Pete coming to you from Vermont and with me is my friend and co-host Todd coming to you from Washington State. What's up, Todd? What's up, Peter? How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing great tonight because I'm fired up for a couple of reasons. One, I'm getting some really awesome feedback about some of our latest episodes from our is that right? incredibly group of loyal listeners. Um, people have been asking me, hey, what are you doing to try to grow the show? And I say, we're not trying to grow the audience. We're just trying to be better at what it is that we're doing. We're getting some really, really cool feedback from people. So before we get into stuff tonight, for all you listeners out there, schoolingstruggle at gmail.com. Drop us feedback. Drop us any ideas. We love hearing from you, and we're super, super psyched that you are in our schooling struggle family of listeners. Whatever Speak- we do, can we never call it the the mailbag? Can we just... Can we just? Yeah.
2: Okay, good. Thanks. Yeah, no problem. Got that.
1: Um, speaking of our, our listeners, we have a guest tonight that I'm super psyched to chat with. Uh, he is a loyal listener. After each episode, he sends me uh, some messages talking about what he learned from the episode and how he's applying it to his life. And I'm super fired up to have a conversation tonight with Jordy Allard. What is up, Jordy?
0: What's up? How's it going?
1: It's going well. So I got to tell you that when I park at school, I walk into the gym through the gym to my office. And every day I get to walk through that gym and I can look up at the banner for the Gatorade Player of the Year. And Jordy is a Division 1 college baseball player who was a player of the year in the state of Vermont um, the year before I arrived at Hartford High School. And when I arrived at Hartford High School, he reached out and connected with me about all things fitness. And that has really morphed into conversations or correspondence between the two of us about mindset. And I'll share briefly some of his athletic accomplishments, but what I really want to dive into tonight is um, some of the struggles that Jordy's faced in his life and how he uses mindset and the strength of his mind to overcome many of his challenges. So before we let Jordy jump on the mic and talk, I'm going to share with you what I've learned about Jordy. In addition to being the Gatorade baseball player of the year during his high school time, he was also a D3 first-team All-American. He played in the NCAA College World Series. He was the pitcher of the year in pretty much every league or team that he's played for over the course of his baseball career. He currently is a right-handed pitcher for Northeastern University, and very notably in my research of Jordy, he this past summer played in the Cape Cod Baseball League. Jordy, I don't know if you know this, but I learned in my research and researching you that one-sixth of all professional baseball players in the United States have come through the Cape Cod League. I thought that was pretty cool. So um, in addition to playing for, was it the Hyannis Hawks
0: that you played for? Hyannis Harbor Hawks. Yeah.
1: Hyannis Harbor Hawks. Yeah. Um, Jody was given the award for the best player that's from New England. It was the John C. Claffey Outstanding New England Player Award. So not only are you playing with the big dogs, but you're winning awards with the big dogs. And I'm super psyched to dive into some of your Uh, mindset when it comes to athletics and and all things in life. I've just talked for four straight minutes and I want to bring Jordy on. And when I asked Jordy, what do you want to talk about? He sent me a litany of topics that he wanted to cover. So I'm going to actually turn it over to Jordy and say, Jordy, where do you want to start with tonight's conversation? Because you understand the premise of this podcast and the goal is to talk about how we navigate and school our struggles.
0: Yeah. You know, when you asked me where I wanted to start this morning when I was picking up the mic, I kind of said that I want to start from kind of the beginning of my life and kind of work towards where I'm at now. Um, So when I, uh, the doc that I sent you was just me brainstorming all the struggles and I'm sure I left some out and I'm, I'm (laughs) sure there's, well, I know there's going to be more to come, but um, it was kind of the big, the big things that have happened so far in my life and, and the big struggles that I've worked through. So I think we should take it from from right at the right at the beginning. So my parents got divorced when I was one. I don't really have any memory of them being together. So I had a stepdad pretty early, maybe when I was five or six. Um, and, and they got divorced when I was 13 or 14. Um, and then I had another stepdad when we when I was 15 or 16. And then they got divorced. my mom and him got divorced when I was, I believe, 18 or 19, like my freshman year in college. Um, so just the struggle of just having a, having a father figure to look up to the struggle of just, you know, kind of having, having that in and out and, and not a lot of stability in the, in the male role model, um, category. But I say that, I say, I say that with kind of a grain of salt because, um, that, that struggle allowed me to kind of bond closer with my grandfather. So my grandfather and my uncle kind of took, not that burden but that role of being a father figure towards me um so my uncle who I actually live with in Belmont Massachusetts while I'm going to Northeastern now I kind of latched on to him and latched on to my grandfather when I was young and and kind of looked to them for support and looked to them as role models and and it, it was a struggle coming home every night and and kind of finding a, a father figure to look up to and more I guess more more depth on that um the my last stepfather so 14 to 18 or 15 to 18 he was he was abusive not to not to me but to my mom
1: so when it comes to the struggles of family dynamics i think that's something that most all people at least that i know can relate to i think i've shared this in the past episode but i once saw a comic that said uh there's two doors and there was one door that said um For normal families and then there was one door that said for abnormal families each door had a sign above it and there was this giant line of people at the door for the abnormal families and not one person at the line at the door for normal families in this comic and i think that we often think that other families are normal or other families are functional or together and it's 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 not necessarily the case so when it came to kind of navigating that struggle of working through having father figures that maybe were a revolving door or coming and going or that you weren't able to connect. How did that play a role in your life or how did you navigate that?
0: Looking back on it now, you know, I've never really thought in depth um, until recently really about, about the topic and about the struggles going through it. But I think it made me more of an, like an independent person and allowed me to kind of create my own, my own vibe or my own wave. I'd like to say to, to, to get through it. Like I, I was able to, just be myself and kind of follow my own path, um, and, and trust my, trust my own instinct and, and kind of be my own leader. I guess if that makes any sense, I was able to just, um, just be more independent and, and less, less following, more making my own path. Obviously my grandfather had a, had a large impact on me and, um, my uncle did too, but just being able to, to follow them and, and as well as add my own flavor into it really helped
1: so it's no secret that sports has played a, an integral role in your life and um i'm curious to know or to think that if if that father figure might have been lacking at certain point or times in your life that you turn to figures in your sporting arena such as coaches or you know p- people in that and, and I, i'm be curious to know if if sports played such, such a prominent role in your life maybe in part because of that father figure piece
0: I, yeah, I think that's a really good takeaway. I, and I, I have thought about this lately, not as far as um, father figure, but I guess now I think when I think about it a little bit more, I can definitely see that. Um, I always think of probably one of my favorite coaches, Todd Bebo, was definitely a big influence in my high school years. And um, go, like of course, yeah, just I didn't really have that mindset in high school. Like we always talk about my mindset now, but that was not something that I, that I really had in high school. And, um, being able to, to learn from, from Todd, not just hockey wise, but, uh, life, life lessons and life skills. He's definitely the most impactful coach that I've been able to, to learn from. And I'm, I'm really blessed that he was, he was my coach and, um, one of my role models throughout high school.
1: So for a little bit of background, um, Todd Beepo is the legendary hockey coach at Harford High School, and it's interesting to me as, with all your baseball background, that one of the most impactful coaches you had was actually not a baseball coach. That's interesting.
0: Honestly, in, in high school, hockey was hockey was my favorite sport, and I always thought I was going to be a college hockey player. There was always something special about hockey, and maybe it had something to do with the coaching and just the way it was um, set up, but I really enjoyed hockey season the most in, in high school. Maybe also because we were playing baseball in Vermont, it was 33 <laughs> degrees outside with snow on the ground. So that might've had something to do with it.
1: If it's going to be below freezing, you may as well be playing hockey. Yeah. What you got, Todd? Oh, Let's I got you. some questions. <laughs> I got some questions here. Okay. First of all, thank you for being on the show
2: and sharing your uh, life and struggles with us. Yep. I always think that's cool. It, you said you had, and this doesn't matter in the context of just for my own, for my own understanding is your grandfather and your uncle that you said um, you found supportive or have been instrumental in your life. Are those um, your biological fathers like, so, is it
0: from that lineage? My grandparents lived on a horse farm. Like that's where my my whole family grew up. So my mom lived and I and my sister lived across the road, like legitimately across the road, mm-hmm. um, 500 feet up the, up the dirt road. And, um, so now I live, uh, with my grandma in my grandparents' house, um, just me, just me and her. So, that's awesome. um, yeah, so we live on the, or I live on the farm and, uh, my, the grandfather I'm talking about was my mom's dad and the uncle I'm talking about is my mom's brother. That's cool.
2: Even though you had no father or multiple fathers at different points in your, in your life, they've always been consistent throughout. So that leads me to my second question is. When you were talking about the, um, when you were talking about like the the cycling of, of different um, male individuals or parent or father figures, I guess is, is easier to say they've come into your life. I wonder if you like did you backfill sports because of a felt sense of loss, like oh I don't have a father so I need to go fill it with this thing, or did your uncles and your grandpa kind of kind
0: of fill that, or your uncle and your grandpa fill that up for you, and then you just happen to gravitate towards sport? Uh, sports for me really didn't have. Um, anything to do with with filling anything, um, sports for me has always been like enhancing my life, and um, I've always thrived the sports. Uh, so, but like you asked, my my grandfather and my uncle for sure filled that role. There was no hole that needed to be filled after they stepped yeah. up and and filled that. So I feel that sports was it was never a a crutch for me. Obviously, there's been times where, um, you know, sometimes. I'm not feeling great, or um, things are going wrong, and I feel like sports can help me out with that. But I, mm. I feel more that 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 is more towards fitness than sports. Like if I'm ever feeling down or feeling bad or something, I go for a walk or or workout or anything like that. That's something that kind of helps get my energy back up, but not necessarily the the actual sport. I I, I feel like I've never really used sports to to get away from anything. I feel like it's just something that that I love to do and that I, I want to keep it that way.
2: Yeah. It sounds like you played m- multiple sports, obviously. And like so what got you started in sports?
0: Yeah. I think the for- first sport I played was baseball. Um, and the first memory that I really have is is just playing catch in the backyard with my my grandfather. The first time I remember is is just playing outside and I remember I had a I or I still do I have a you know what a pitchback is? like a rebounder. It's like a... Like a a square
2: mesh you throw it into? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I would go outside and I had picked... My grandma has pictures around my house, but I had like 30 hats. So I put on like... What an Ohio State hat or and I'd bring a Florida hat with me and I would just play games against myself. So I'd be like, (laughs) oh, like... Like I'd play like nine inning games. I'd be like, oh, Ohio State won. They get to play this team next. And I would just do that over and over and over. Um, No really... (laughs) I, you know, I did that for just hours a day and, and I tell my aunt, I'm like, I guarantee I was outside for like at least four hours every day in the summer, <laughs> just throwing against the pitch back. And she's like, there's no way that you do know, have no idea how much time that I was. And I was like, that's all I did. Like I didn't, I live on a farm. There's not much, there is much to do, but I was so zoned in on just, it was, it was so much fun for me to just be out there and, and playing games with myself. So that's awesome. That's, <laughs> but, that's kind so, of where I remember the start, the yeah. starting point.
2: So, but York. sports has always been a present, obviously. Like you didn't go out and find sports. Like it was there from day one, right? Like somebody yeah, it's, was like, Hey, let's watch the game or
0: it's, it's gotta be, it had to be my grandfather. Um, yeah, cool. From, yeah. From an early age, it had to be him having that. I, I just grew up and was mentored and, and coached by him before I even knew it.
1: Cool. So Jordy, as we see here today, it's my understanding that you have, you're coming into your final, final year of eligibility in college. Just to kind of set the stage for the conversation going forward, what are your your goals or what is it you're thinking about as far as your athletic pursuits go?
0: Yeah, this is my last year of eligibility. And and after that, right now, my goal is to just play as long as I can. So do what I can to try to get signed or drafted this at the end of this year. And then we'll take it from there. But right now, that, that's my goal is to get signed at the end of this year.
1: And you're yeah, at this point, you're a graduate student. Is that
0: correct? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> finishing my master's at the end of the spring term. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah.
1: So in our conversations um, that you and I share, Jordi, it's it's very, very evident to me that you are uh, an incredibly hard worker, remarkably hard, uh, both in and out of the gym. You're I, you strike me as someone who does a lot of mindset work and also a lot of physical fitness in preparation for your seasons and in season training as well.
0: I don't want to make this seem like I just woke up when I was five years old and was like, I'm going to work out. Like I'm going to eat the best food. Like that's not, that wasn't me. Like that, that wasn't even me in college. Like that, that was very recently. Like I, I've slowly progressed over my whole life. Like it's been a slow progression and process. It, it, it's not one day everything just cleared up and I was automatically um, a hard worker and stuff, stuff like that. I, I've learned um, throughout my whole life. And, and con- I'm continuing to learn just how to, how to work and how to better myself in, in different ways. So first, you know, when I was introduced to working out, I, I didn't start working out until senior year of high school, really, um, in the, in the weight room. So I was a little bit of a late bloomer there. And then f- sleep wise, I, the, the kind of stuff that that you teach your your high schoolers now. I was never taught that, and I'm not saying that as a like um, as I'm a victim that I was never taught that because that's something I could easily just look up on Google how to sleep better, how to eat better. Um, but I never really got into that kind of work ethic until last year, or two or a couple of years before that of sleeping better, eating better, um, visualizing, meditating, and, and just working on. Physical health, but also mental health, and things off the field that can that can help me in the, on the field.
2: Uh, we had a conversation with somebody on a previous show, and I'll dig it up, put it in the show notes. Can't remember who it was, but um, it was the guy that lost a whole bunch of weight. Oh, Camden! Whatever, Camden. He had the same thing, and I had the same question. Actually, when you talk about like, oh, I've just like been building this empire, been building these habits, or, or whatever it is, it has got you to where you are now mentally and physically. I wonder. Um, you, you say, you know, it was just in the last X amount of time that, that, that really, you kind of stepped that up or have been thinking about what your ethic is or what drives you. Was there something that happened that, that like, suddenly you're like, I should pay more attention to this. Or was it just, just dropped in your lap or how'd that go?
0: Yeah, that's actually a really good question. And I, I was just thinking about this, like recently, like six months ago or, or even less than six months ago, I was like why did i uh, all of a sudden just do these things or like i feel like i was wiser or i feel like like i was just a maybe a different person and um the grandfather that that i was talking about that was my father figure um he got he got really sick during covid so like when we came home for march break he got really sick We, we weren't able to see each other we weren't able to really do anything but he he went in for for heart surgery and, and he ended up passing away July 14th. And, and to this day, that's probably been the biggest, biggest struggle in my life. Like, like losing him, um, during, during COVID when he was in the hospital, we would, we weren't allowed to be there. So we had to, we had to find a way to kind of be with him while he was at the hospital. So my, my aunt and uncle and my mom went down and like set up a, a podcast or not a podcast, but a zoom. So we would log on. Uh, every night and and read to him while while he was in the hospital during surgery. So that was that was definitely a tough time, and I, I don't know if, if that just gave me a a, a boost or um, I, I like to think of it as when when he passed away. Like I feel like I kind of lost lost a part of me that was that was only supposed to be alive when when he was alive too. Like he was alive. And yeah, like your reaction, like you I don't know if you've had the same like reaction, but no, that's, but I like, okay. that's, you articulated
2: that so well. That's, that's very, yeah, like, that I, a lot I
0: was think, like, I've very recently been thinking about this. Like, I was actually in the hospital when he died. Like, I was, I, uh, I have a baseball from the D3 World Series that I went to, and I put that in his hand when he passed away. So I was there when he, when he took his last breath, right? And, and I, I don't know, I don't know what it was, but it just feels like something like a part of me isn't supposed to be here when he's not, I still believe that he's, he's, he's in me. There's no, there's no way um, that that he's not with me in some sense. So I, I also feel like when he passed away, it, he knew that I needed, like I, I needed a little bit more. So he gave me some wisdom and he gave me um, some more work ethic and, and stuff like that. So that's the way that I like to look at it when, when, People are like what like got you jumped on this? I'm like, oh well, uh, I called him Bobby. I called him Bobby. His name was was Hank, but I I screwed up his name when I was younger, and I said Bobby. So, uh, so I, I like to say like, oh like Bob gave me some. Uh, he just gave me something. Just gave me a little extra. Uh, that's so, so yeah, awesome. that's yeah. that's kind of what I yeah. He just gave me wisdom and and it might have just it might have just uh, just gave me a little kick in the throat, like struggle. Struggling, you know, watching your your best friend's last breath is is kind of a tough tough thing to do. So it just oh, yeah. like makes you wake up a little bit and, and get back on track, I guess. That's great. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. yeah,
1: I often hear people talk about in athletic pursuits or physical performance that they've had a major loss in their life, and and they'll often say, even in the hardest workout or the most difficult session, it's nothing compared to. Seeing the discomfort that my loved one was in or the discomfort that I was in when my, when my loved one was going through their discomfort. And it kind of puts a lot into perspective. It's easier to do the extra rep, the extra load, the extra session in that physical discomfort. And oftentimes, at least for me, that that physical discomfort has been my coping mechanism throughout my life. And fortunately, unlike many people I know, I, I, I didn't turn to addiction and didn't turn to some other, other methods that people use to deal with their, their grief, their pain, their sorrow. And I'm wondering if for you that kind of turning in inward toward your physical performance uh, was a piece of that grieving process for you.
0: Yeah, I think, I think that was definitely a, a part of I, – I, 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 like I was quite honestly lost. Like I didn't, I didn't know what to do. Um, like I said, he, I can't really describe, like, I, it's a hard, it's hard for me when somebody asks like, Oh, who, like who was your grandfather or what was he like? And it's, there's no, I can't, I, there's no words. There, there's no way to describe him. Um, the only way I can describe him is, is, is he was, he was my coach. He was my mentor role model. Like he, he was, he was a God to me. Like quite, quite honestly, he was, he was a God to me. And, uh, I think because he was, he was also in that father figure, it was a little bit difficult for me to see him as my grandfather. I never really thought of him as, as older because he had been the father figure my, my whole life. So I never really understood, you know, that, that he was, he was older and he was dealing with these health things. Um, so, so he, he looked invincible to me, honestly, from, from, from the, from, from being a little kid, even up till like when I was 20, I really never understood. I was like, this guy's invincible. Like, like, this is my hero. Um, and and at, whenever I was in, this is kind of a off track, but it's all right. We, we I, do that well. Yeah. Uh, so, our specialty. you know, there, there's always those questions in in high school or even in grade school. The, your parents or your teacher will be like, Who, who's your best friend? And I didn't realize this until like last week, but – Whenever they asked me that, I was like, I don't know, like I have no clue, because I was always supposed to pick somebody like in your class, right? You're always supposed to pick <laughs> somebody that's close age to you. But um, when he passed away, we all wrote a word to put at his grave, like that that he meant to you. And I picked, I picked best friend. So I, I like just figured that out that when when they were asking this, it didn't make sense to me because I didn't feel like I had a best friend in. In that school or even near me, but now I realize that that he was actually my best friend, and and I'm a person that quite honestly doesn't have a lot of close friends. I like to keep my circle pretty small, and and I don't like to I, I like to have acquaintances, but I don't like to have very many very many nice. close friends, and and maybe that's frowned upon frowned upon to some people, but uh, I'm I'm okay with that, so.
1: It's it's fascinating just to think about when we let go of our expectations of what other people think of us. Like, oh, I should say my best friend is another fifth grader because I'm in fifth grade. Oh, I should do this. And once we kind of have enough confidence in, in ourselves and we know who we are and we let that go, what we can discover about ourselves is really, really beautiful. It's it's really special.
2: That's like the point when you can learn the most. If you ask me, like, oh, I don't need to. I don't need to care about this. Watch.
1: Yeah. Jordy did stop by this morning to pick up a microphone so we can have some high quality audio. And we got into some conversations and we, our conversations are normally based around either mindset or fitness. And we were talking about fitness and I was just asking him about his training recently. And he was talking about how, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jordy, if I, if I explained this incorrectly, but your focus is not sport specific with your fitness, but it's just well-rounded fitness to be a beast is exactly what you said. You train to be a beast. And as I'm kind of scouring, um, notes that you want to talk about tonight, I'm noticing that you have uh, and tips and things to help out with is this phrase that says, win in the dark. And I'm curious to know what that is to you, because I feel like not only are you a beast physically, but you're a mental monster. And I really want to know what you mean by your phrase, win in the dark.
0: Yeah. So I'll keep it pretty simple, but it comes down to integrity too, just being able to do things that... That are only going to benefit you, or, or could even benefit others, but when no one else is watching, so it, it's pretty easy to show up and do the right things when a coach is watching, or when a prof- professor is is looking in the classroom, or when you have all your friends there. But it's it's really hard to do those things when when nobody else is around, when you're sitting when, when you're sitting on a farm in the middle of Vermont in in the middle of the winter it's pretty easy to just say oh like like i don't need to throw today i don't need to lift today uh i don't need to run today i don't need to do these things so it's pretty easy to be comfortable where you are but in order to get to that next step you need to be able to to do the things that you need to do whether whether people are watching or not that's something i've also struggled with i always you know used to only want to get better practice or play well when people are watching like It was always easy for me to play well when there was a ton of people in the stands as opposed to when there was not that many people in the stands. But as I've worked on my mentality and worked on progressing in in those types of things, I've been able to kind of compare less to others and work on just myself, whether there's people watching or not. I want to be able to be better. For me and, and just myself, nobody else, and as selfish as I might seem, I feel that when I'm able to get the best out of myself, I can then then help others. So, that wasn't as simple as I wanted it to sound, but <laughs> that's how it came uh,
1: You funny. mentioned <laughs> in our correspondence that... Um- that you've dealt, you've kind of faced with or try to navigate the feelings of not being good enough or being undersized or being from <laughs> being from Vermont. Vermonters can relate to what that saying means. Yeah, so that, I'm guessing that all plays into it as well. That mindset piece that you're that you're addressing right now.
0: So coming out of Vermont, like you said, I, I was Gatorade Player of the Year, and I had never experienced failure. I, like my whole life, since I, from from when I was five till when I was a senior in high school, I had always been the best. Like baseball, easy. Vermont baseball is not that great, and I wasn't aware of that when I was in high school. I just thought I was going to be an MLB player right away. So getting to my my first stop in college, um, I went to Southern New Hampshire University my freshman year, and it was like just getting punched in the face. Like everyone else was just as good as me, um, and and I didn't have I'd never failed before. I'd never faced adversity, so. I literally wanted to quit. Like I wanted to quit baseball. I, I wasn't doing well. I I was failing and I, I wasn't wasn't happy. I didn't know I could fail. I didn't know what failure was. I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't know how to go about getting better. I, I just assumed that everything was going to be given to me and um, assumed that I was just going to be good enough without, without having any you know, resistance. So that was something I learned pretty quick when I got to college and I ended up, transferring after my freshman year to go to Babson college, the majority of that decision was based on like having a plan B because I didn't know if I was going to be good enough to play baseball at at SNHU.
2: Because of the failures you'd experienced and how, how blatantly odd they were to you based on what you thought before you were like, Oh man, I better have an education to go back or this sports thing might not work. I better, I better have a plan for that.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So I was very immature, very like very, very narrow-minded. Coming out of high school, I really had no idea what the world had to offer. I had been in a, you know, 150, (laughs) 200 student high school my whole life. I thought I was, I thought I was king, and um, got out of Vermont high school and realized that there were some other kings out there too that that wanted it a little bit more. Uh, Interesting. So, so yeah, that was kind of the plan B, and and i i went to Babson just kind of to better an education and get and get a background uh and, and get and able myself like enable myself to do something else if if the baseball thing didn't work out um but going yeah. into SNHU, i really had no focus or any idea of what else i wanted to do and i think that that struck me a little bit when i was halfway through the semester there and and quite honestly, I had no idea what I what I wanted to do with my life. Not that I have any idea what I want to do in my life now, but just a little bit more of a sense than back Perfect. then.
2: So yeah. wait, I have um, one more question. If I if I if we can go back to um, when you were talking about you know um, finding now or or maybe cult, uh, cultivating an ability to be comfortable with being uncomfortable and doing that by yourself, like. I've heard somebody say, uh, you know, what do you think about yourself when you're by yourself? It's, I think it's along the same kind of lines, right? And when you talk about the integrity and, and that work ethic, I wonder, um, I've experienced a few times in, in my own life where I've I've done that and I've doubled down on those efforts and they always seem to be rewarding. But over a long sampling of my own life, I find that that kind of comes and goes. Like I'll go running a 4am for, you know, six months. And then I'm like, you know what? It's just cold outside. I'm not getting much out of that. And so I kind of wait, and then I always come back to it. But I, I wonder if you find consistency in that, and what fuels that consistent, that that constant consistency?
0: Yeah, um, I think that's a good question. I just try to take every day as kind of its own life. For instance, like I, ha- I have a spreadsheet on my computer. Oh, I can actually pull it up real quick. Oh, have,
2: here we go. This is gonna be good.
0: There's, uh, I'll read, I'll read them off, but. I started doing this over the summer. So again, all this stuff is like recent. I I haven't always been this mentality guy. I haven't always been like, I'm not trying to make it seem like I have been. Um, But just as like, I have some goals. So like reading yoga, uh, conditioning and lifts, arm care, sleeping, drinking one gallon, meditating whole foods and a couple journal things. And it's just like for me to be able to stay consistent and, check those things off every single day makes me more process oriented. And that's something that I've really been into over the last couple of years is just being committed to that process and and being committed to doing the little things and the simple things. Right. And when mm-hmm. you continue to stack those and have one good day, two good days, three good days, four good days, five good days, you start to like stack these little wins and all of a sudden all of a sudden that, that leads to the results you actually want. I, I really struggled in early college years and even later college years of just like wanting, wanting these huge results. I wanted to throw 90 miles an hour, wanted to win all these awards, wanted to do all these things, but I didn't have any, any like single day task of getting there. Like I didn't have, okay, how is it, how are you going to get there? What's, what's that going to take? I just wanted to get that result, but Yeah, one of the biggest things in my life, on on and off the field, has been trying to get into that process mindset where, if I can do the little things right and the the small simple things, eventually that will get me to to where I want to go and will get the results that I want to have. Awesome,
1: good stuff. So, so a perfect day for you would be you check (laughs) each one of those criteria all within a twenty four hour period.
0: Correct. Yeah, perfect. Is is that the goal? that is the goal every day it it happens sometimes it happens happens a a good good amount of the good amount of time but i also like track the checks So like i'll go back and and be like hey like how did i do at the beginning of this month the beginning of that month and and what i've like learned is like once i get like two or three days in a row the rest of the week just looks pretty good but once like where i where i fall off is if i get like one or two days in a row that I don't get a lot of things checked off the rest of the week kind of looks scattered as well. So like the consistency is a, is a big thing for me. And, and like you asked, like, or, or how Todd was talking about running in the morning and then he's like, ah, it's like, it's like cold. So I I don't need to do it anymore. Sometimes like if I, if I'm like only drank half a gallon of water, I'm like, ah, like I don't need to do it today. And then sometimes, and then I'll think like, well, if if today was your only day, right. If if you were going to die tomorrow, (laughs) like, that's probably yeah, you feel. yeah. yeah it, it's like it, you got to do it like today you have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow and, and that's something that I've also kind of thought about while I'm on the mound and and while I'm playing the game is if I only have today like what am I doing with my day today like if today yeah. was was my last day I don't know if today's going to be my last day I don't know if tomorrow's going to be my last day I don't know if the next day going to be my last day so what am I doing right now to make sure that this day is, is lived up as good as it can be. And as, as yeah. well as it can be.
2: Why well, squander it, right? Your grandpa tell you a, a
1: priceless lesson. <laughs> I can see, I can yeah. just hear it throughout all, everything you're talking about. It's really cool. So, um, kind of related to that, uh, I learned something new recently that, uh, has been really impactful for me. So, uh, I feel right now I'm in that rut with my training. So the competition that I train for is in the middle of February. So I'm like three months out and I have a little impingement in my shoulder and it's just been kind of getting to getting to me. And I'm having a really hard time being psyched about going down to the basement and doing a workout by myself. And that's normally not a problem. And I was just kind of um, scouring some stuff on YouTube, as everybody does, and I came across this guy that I know, of this neuroscientist named Andrew Huberman, who has a very successful podcast. But um, what he was saying is, when we are focused on the result, it makes the day-to-day very difficult. And when I'm thinking about how I'm going to place in this competition or whatever, like doing the thing today, 90 days out, doesn't feel as necessary or as pressing or as needed. And it's easy to say, ah, just not today or whatever. But what he was saying is, if we can get ourselves into the mindset where, when we're actually doing the hard thing and we're and we're uncomfortable doing the thing, say to ourselves at that moment, this is it. Like this is a reward. I am doing something uncomfortable right now, and that is friggin' awesome. And the reward isn't whatever place I get in this competition or how ready my body is come day of competition. The reward is right now in this process, feeling this discomfort and knowing that I am putting myself into this and doing this, and I'm, I'm getting better in this very moment. That's what I should be seeking versus, oh, I got to get through today. So in 90 days, I'll be better. And that's been really helpful. And he was saying it sounds really silly to be – In a a really challenging situation that you put yourself in and just say to yourself, oh, this is awesome. Even if you you don't believe it, if you start to say it over time, that will start to set in and make those 4 a.m. runs or those sessions in those cold basements down in the cold basement down by yourself um, when everybody else is asleep or comfortable in their beds doable. And so it's, Jordy, like you just said, it's that process and the process-oriented thing is what gets us where we're closer to be. But, and, I, and I've known that for a while and the process is more important than the outcome and all these things. But for me recently, it's been, oh, this is awesome. Like this squat session that hurts so much, this is a reward, not the placement that I get from the workout that I'm doing right now. And that's that's been helpful for me.
2: Word. What else you got, Jordy?
0: I think going on, one of the things that hit me was I mean you guys have we talked about struggle but we also uh, like something I like to mix in with struggle is I think a lot about comfort lately uh I do like cold tubs at school sometimes uh or most weeks like kind of to reset for the week and uh I have a couple friends on the team but we we do like a contrast tub we'll go like cold tub then hot tub and cold tub then hot tub but when I'm in that cold tub like it's very uncomfortable um and sometimes I think about like, like, it's so easy to just get out of this, like, you don't need to be uncomfortable, you can be comfortable. And, and while I'm in there, like forcing myself to to be uncomfortable, I, I sort of think about like, other things of where that, that reaches in life. Like, um, I feel like, honestly, as a society, there, there's been a lot of like reach to make people as comfortable as they can be. And, and I think that's good to a point. But Um, even now sometimes I see like like parents or kids trying to trying to lessen or decrease the amount of uncomfortableness their kids go through and I think that that's great to a certain point but there needs to be to be struggle there there needs to be times where where you're just lost or or you're going through something tough and and nothing's gonna easily um, get you through that I think that if you you sugarcoat it and and kind of just be like oh that's that's fine like for instance like an, an example that I think of is if I have like a a bad game or I don't play as well as I want like somebody coming up and being like oh that's fine like you like you did okay you you did what you could like you had a tough game like I, I'm okay going out there and, and having a tough game because I know I prepared the way I did and and I know that I gave it what I had out there so. I don't need that, um, I guess self or that, that self-esteem boost. I I don't, I don't need that. And I don't feel like we, we always need that boost of comfort. I, I feel like sometimes we just need like a slap in the back and be like, get back to it, get back to work. Like that, that's all you can do. I don't think we need that period of, of comfortableness. We need, we need that period of uncomfortableness so we can embrace it, feel it, and then, get back to it and get back to the whatever work we're doing, whether it be in the weight room or on the field or whatever. But I just feel like we don't always need to be comfortable. And that's something I've I've seen more and more just in life with everything in life, whether it's getting groceries, like people don't even have to go get groceries anymore. In Vermont (laughs) you do. You have to drive twenty like you have to drive twenty five minutes, thirty minutes to get groceries in Vermont. But if you're in Boston, you can just call some or just Instacart and have somebody deliver it to your door. Like you don't need, you don't need to step outside your door. There's so much comfort going around that I think people forget that the way to grow and the way to level up is to, to use that, use that uncomfortableness. That, that is the uncomfortableness is growth and that uncomfortable, the pain and the uncomfortable is the way like the struggle is the way the obstacle is the way. I don't know if you guys have read the Ryan holiday, the obstacle is the way. Oh yeah. But
1: yeah, so. Yeah, it's interesting as a teacher and a parent. It's when my daughter is comfortable, she's happy. But When she's uncomfortable, she's growing. And I think she's better served to be growing than to be happy all the time. But you want your kid to be happy too. It's this weird paradox. I don't have that problem.
2: I just want my kids to get to real life and quit screwing around. (laughs) But yeah, yeah. it's interesting because I, I was, I don't know if you know, or but or not but like I'm watching my parents die so I'm going through this weird time of my life and I was talking to my wife about the other day like'm having this increasing amount of shame when like we just put my mom in a nursing home probably the last place she'll live and like I just went there today and I was visiting her with my wife and before we got there my wife I was just telling her like how much shame I feel and she said you've got to figure out something <laughs> like to tell yourself to comfort yourself in that and I thought that's a, a very empathetic and compassionate thing to say but at the same time, what are you going to do if you don't feel that? <laughs> or, you know, it doesn't have to be shame. I don't know if shame's healthy or, or not for that situation, but that's the way I feel. But it's like some people would, you know, rather just, you know, in the case of their children, maybe tell them they don't have to go or, you know, it's going to be uncomfortable to go see X. But, you know, what is that really getting? What are you really getting out of having an, an emotion there to learn something from? So I think that's cool that, that you acknowledge and you kind of feel that same way. Hmm. It's weird. Life is weird.
0: It is. <laughs> it's uh, It's a crazy thing.
1: It really is. Oh, go ahead.
0: Well, no, I'm taking top topic, so you go first. No, no,
1: I'm I'm never on topic. So, okay. <laughs> top topic.
0: Right. well, this is these are just some other things that I want to hear, kind of your thoughts on, and and things that I've learned over the last uh, year, really. And and uh, my my uncle and my aunt, if they ever listen to this, which I'm sure they will, are going to f- understand because I try to teach these things to my eight year old and and ten year old uh, cousin that I live with. They're two boys that play baseball and I try to teach them these values in these lessons, but they're six and 10. So my uncle and aunt are like, what are you doing? <laughs> Sorry. He's eight. I think they're eight and 11. He's like, like, do you really think an eight year old like understands this? And I'm like, eh, I don't know. But like, hopefully like he will eventually. Um, So like whenever we're watching TV, say uh, say a bills player like <laughs> makes a mistake or something they're like, what was he doing? Like, what are you doing? And I guess I see this from like an athlete and more of like a more, more yeah, more just like an athlete mindset or an athlete goggles, I guess. I'm like, he's put in so much work, you don't think that maybe like he just made a mistake or or like something <laughs> something was supposed to go this way and maybe the defense made a good play or something, they're like, No, he just sucks, like he dropped the ball. I'm like, uh like that that's kind of me like thinking like and, and this is something my grandfather taught me, have you you guys have definitely read The Man in the Arena? The, I've never you, read it you've never read the man in the arena quote we have it posted all around our house because it was my my grandfather's favorite quote but it's the man in the arena I'll read it real quick so it's the man in the arena it's by Theodore Roosevelt it is not the critic who counts not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust, sweat, and blood who strives valiantly who errs who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. So that's kind of like... A quote that I, I like to use a lot too, but that's something that I like to say somebody makes a bad play or or somebody like struggles on, uh, on whatever we're watching baseball, football, whatever. The common thing to do is, is to, to be that critic, right? Whether you're watching TV or not, it's, it's really easy to be like, Oh, like I could have made that play. Like, like, that's, that's easy. Like anybody I mean, could have caught yeah, that ball. Caught <laughs> that. How do you not catch that? Like, why yeah. do you swing at that? Why? That's a ball. Like, so Ooh. that's like, and I know it annoys, it definitely annoys my uncle. Cause he's like, I know, but like, I'm just like, so, so that definitely. And that's what you tell. Up.
2: That's what you tell your nephews. Like, nah, come yeah. on. It's not. that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, um, that's something that I noticed, like, and especially I see it from like an ath- athlete perspective like i'm out there giving it my all like that's what i do every single day I, I just work to try to be the best i can and sometimes things don't go my way but it doesn't do anything for you to sit in the stands and say something whether it's yeah. a 10 year old game or a professional game when i it's very hard for me to go to professional baseball games because <laughs> sitting in the stands and listening to the fans it like i literally just want to leave i i can't like I, I cannot listen to the fans talk about the players. <laughs> well, um, so that's something. Prepare like, yourself. People are going to yeah. talk about you. <laughs> I know. You so <laughs> th- that's, that's something uh, that I've that I've noticed and like more as I, as I become an athlete and, and kind of see fans and how they interact. And it's just like a weird, weird thing for me. Yeah. And I, I don't really understand it. And I try to stay away from it. Um, <laughs> but, I, and I know, I know I've I heard on one of your podcasts that you guys try to, or one of you st- kind of tries to stay away from the news a little bit. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's both of us. Yeah, it's the worst I, thing I, ever. I, I always say
1: <laughs> I, I don't like to start my day with it and I don't like to end my day with it. I don't have time for it in the middle of my day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: that's yeah. How my- it, yeah. It just seems like, like negativity shoved down your throat first thing that's in the right. morning. The less wow. news
2: you can get, the better off
0: you're going to be. Yeah, alive. Even
2: if it's the weather, you're like, even the weather is negative. If you listen to news overall, it's pretty bad. Yeah. At least on the major channels. But
0: Yeah. And those are like these kind of, you know, lead into the tips and the things to like help kids in high school or, or help those things and and things that I could have learned when I was in high school. But just like Ooh. being normal. I think I always wanted to be normal in high school. Like I never, I was never invited to parties. I never really had that many friends in high school, but um, just fitting in I, I feel like i sometimes i sometimes wanted that but now the more i think about it like i i want to be different i don't want to be um on the side of the majority like i i really don't don't want to be like everybody else and
2: with all the badassery in sports you I've, in my <laughs> mind i was thinking oh like that's really easy to be in that kind of jock click right at, at, i mean i came from much higher school but i imagine it exists even at small right. scale you never like enrolled in that yeah in I, mean,
0: I feel like being an athlete and 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 doing well is is part of who I want to be but I also think as far as mindset and uh more towards mindset because I, I want to be grouped in with college athletes I want to be known as a good college athlete but outside of that mindset and and the choices I make I, I want to be looked at as as different because i I think the way society is going right now, if you're on the majority and and you're yeah. doing the things that everyone else is, you're probably not going to end up in a great spot. Like if you're doing whatever anyone else is doing and you're not like second guessing what, what's going on, you might not be in the, in the greatest spot. So I <laughs> I definitely want to be, in a, <laughs> yeah. I want to be that, the, the, the one that's different. Um,
1: I recently heard somebody say, um, if you're trying to be a lead at something, you can't have a lot of people in your circle because most people don't want to be elite. Or if you want to be committed, you can't have a, a giant social circle because the majority of people in any social circle are not committed. And to be around people that are not committed is going to take away from your commitment.
0: Well, one of the things I have on this, this sheet that you can see is sacrifice. So, yeah, in, in high school, I was never the kid at the party. I was, I was never the popular kid. I was, I'm, you know, and, and still in college, I'm not the one out at the bars. I'm not the one that's doing all these things that are, are fun. I, I'm doing fun things, but you know, not the normal, normal college thing. I'm what you'd expect. Bit, right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So, so, and I think some people view that as like, Oh, this kid, like, he's just different. Like he doesn't find those things fun. And and no, I definitely find those things fun. I just feel like I need to sacrifice that for other aspects of my life that I want to better, like instead of going out, I need to save that money or, or save, um, that time and maybe get a little bit more sleep or eat something a little bit better or, um, go do yoga for 30 minutes instead of, you know, hanging out at the beach or, or doing that kind of thing. So I think it definitely takes some sacrifice and getting your priorities straight, um, to be able to, to do that kind of thing. And again, that, that goes into being different. You just, you got to sacrifice things that other people aren't wanting to if you want to be able to do things that not a lot of, not a lot of other people can or will do. Yeah.
1: The irony there, Jordy, is that the, the kids in the high school now who are those kids that are the partiers and the, the ones that um, think they're cool or whatever, those are the kids who idolize you. Like, Jordy in our school may as well be a, a major league baseball player. Like, his name comes up, everyone's like, oh. Like, <laughs> like, and, and he and he shared his some of his workouts with me. And when I say, yo, I want to, you know, a student of mine plays baseball, I want to share this with you. Jordy gave it to me. They're like, oh, Jordy gives you, I, yeah, I got to do, oh, no. do it again. <laughs> it's, it's just how the tables turn, you know. You yeah. You want to be the kid that fits in, and then all of a sudden, all the kids that are fitting in want to be you which is really fascinating.
2: Is yeah.
0: Interesting.
1: How do you deal with,
0: uh,
2: with competition, uh, one-on-one competition or loss?
0: So you're talking about, um,
2: like if you're going head to head with somebody on a crossfit like workout the- and they just smoke you, <laughs> like, do you okay yeah. with that? You just swallow it? No,
0: so I actually like that because that's something that I've really struggled with. That's one of the most recent struggles that I've had. Um, so there's this, there's this absolute beast of an athlete that just transferred into Northeastern. He's a pitcher. He uh, he's a grad transfer, and and I've always been like pretty strong in the weight pretty strong in the weight room, um, and and pretty fast, but he just torches me on the weight rack. <laughs> we're on the same we're on the same squat rack, and and the first couple months or first month or two I was there, I was always comparing myself to him. I'm like, why am I not lifting as much weight? Like uh, like I'm trying as hard as as he is. Like what why am I not as good as him? Like really really not great thoughts and, and just struggling with. Um, comparing, comparing myself to him. And that's something I've really struggled with as I get up to get up the levels of baseball is, is why am I not as good or how are they better than me? But lately I've started to just focus on, am I lifting a little bit more than I was last week? Or am I a little bit faster than I was last week? Or am I, am I sleeping a little bit better? Like being able to focus on myself and and having a little bit less ego and and just slowly moving the needle forward instead of worrying about what others are doing. I've seen not only a little bit just more mental clarity in my life, but progress as well in, in the weight room or in the field because I'm not so caught up in what everyone else is doing. And I'm more focused on what I'm doing and that's allowing me to progress and get better as, as opposed to taking all my energy and worrying about
1: yeah what everyone
0: else is doing in their results. So nice. that's that's something I've I've – really worked on. And, and that also, I think that also just plays into like outside noise, like, like everyone's got an opinion. So being careful of what you listen to, or for instance, one of the biggest examples that I have is like a preseason poll. So like, just because I had a, had a good summer, I, I'm going to be on like a conference preseason poll or something like that. Right. They always have these polls that are not like player of the year or pitcher of the year before the, before the season has actually even come out. And I just think that that's the dumbest thing ever. Like, yeah, why do they have that? What does that even do to <laughs> to anything? Like, just because of some stupid numbers and some stupid results and a season, they're they're able to tell you what the person's going to do that season just for some clicks. Like, that's yeah, that's that's kind of something that I think about. Like outside noise and preseason polls and 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 being able to tune that stuff out has just been a been a big key to me and, and not comparing to, to others and not comparing to what other people think you're going to be. And, and just worrying about, again, that coming back to that process and just get 0.1% better, just like that'll work for the next day and the next day and the next day.
2: And you use that list, like the list is kind of your foundation, right? That you build. And then if you, the more you take off or the more you're consistent where you, you are with that, then that's kind of the thing that you leverage to go back and say, I don't need to care about this. Cause I, I know that I've done these things to be better yeah to better myself yeah.
0: just yeah. the cool. consist the consistency and and being able to see that that I just I just won today just win the day and then we'll worry about the next day then and yeah. you can't even worry about the next day then you just got to worry about what you're doing right there right in that moment
1: our, our family of listeners is is big on taking some tactical stuff away from each of these episodes and I think that you've provided a tremendous amount of that yeah. over the course of our conversation this evening some really cool. Take away some small, small things that we can do each day. I, I think the fact that you created a checklist and that you follow it each day and then you can look back over your spreadsheet to see your trends and, and where things are going well is a, is a fascinating and a really cool, tangible, tactical way to move us closer to the people that we're striving to be. It's really, really cool. Yep. I like yeah. it. Nice work.
0: Awesome. Probably the biggest thing that I've learned as far as something to help or, or tips to help is, is just being able to play like a kid uh, i think we're so caught up in how things need to look or or how things need to move or how your mechanics need to look or how uh how fast you throw and and we're so worried about all these things and being perfect but really if we're just playing like we did when we were five years old everything's gonna clean up and you're you're gonna you're gonna be in a good spot and that's something that i've learned over the last couple of years when i was struggling as a pitcher i was trying to be perfect and i was trying to do these exact things and trying to do all these crazy crazy mechanics and the the last couple of years that i've had success i've i've literally just brought it back to when i was five years old playing on the pitch back pretending i was playing two teams as myself like uh when i'm out there playing like a kid and just living in that moment and having fun with it that's when i've seen um performance and, and the most success and. And continuing to play like a kid in, in all aspects of life, as long as I can keep that kid-like mentality and that that fun, I I think that that's when I'm going to have my best performance and the most fun of my life. And, that, and that's what it's about, just being in that moment and, and being able to be grateful for the game and actually just playing it instead of worrying about anything else that's going on or the situation of the game or any other drama. Um, and then last thing, just to end it, one thing I, I was thinking about today and I wrote down is that you know, if you're struggling, then, then good. Like if you're listening to this podcast and you're struggling, uh, obviously if you, if you need help reach out, but if you're experiencing a little bit struggle, that's, that's not the worst thing in the world. It's good. And just know that you are exactly where you need to be and, and trust the universe, trust, 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 whatever you want to, but you may not understand like what the struggle is right now, or you may not understand why it's happening, but Eventually, it's all gonna make sense. I think that that having faith and and just un- understanding that the struggle is the way it is important to to see the bigger picture. Like it, there there's times, and I'm sure there's gonna be times tomorrow or later this week that I'm gonna be like, why is this happening to me? But it, it's really happening for me, and and the struggle is gonna gonna bring me closer to where I want to be, even if I don't know how or why it's it just the world works in crazy ways. And eventually there'll be a moment where you're like, Oh, that's why this happened so that I could be right here. So that, that's how I think I'll end it today. I think that that sums up everything.
1: Drop the mic. That was pretty awesome. But Don't drop the mic yet. Yeah, I won't. Don't, <laughs> and it's our mic. So don't drop it too. Hard. Yeah,
0: I won't drop it too. Hard. Um, it's just a figure <laughs> of speech. <Jeez>. <laughs> <laughs> so as,
1: as you make your way, from here, moving on moving on from this conversation, Jordy, using all the fitness that you've been putting in the work and, and the mental fitness as well, you are in the off season right now, preparing for the spring to throw for Northeastern University um, for your final season. And then whatever happens from there, happens from there. Is,
0: yep. is that right? That's exactly right. What are the, awesome. pre,
1: what are the preseason forecasters say?
0: Uh, <laughs> Yo, you, don't the, I don't, you can, ask somebody, you can the, ask somebody else for those. Uh, Cause I'm not giving you yeah. anything.
2: I tested you. I
0: tested you good <laughs> on <of>
2: that
1: one. <laughs> uh, uh, Jordy, thank you so much for your time yeah, and for sharing. For I know you did a lot of preparation for the, this episode. So appreciate that and making the long drive over to pick up the microphone this morning. So, so, so good for all the listeners out there. We appreciate your ears. We thank you for your time. We're grateful for your attention. We are the School and Struggle Podcast. We are out.
0: See you.